धीम त धीम त कीट 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 हाय वेलकम टू स्पीकिंग ऑफ इंडियन आर्ट्स होस्टेड बाय नवात्मन In this podcast we curate voices, thoughts and experiences from artists and patrons all over the world into an ongoing dialogue that elevates our collective consciousness about the Indian classical arts. My name is Anjali and I'll be your host for this conversation. Today I'm extremely grateful and excited to invite Aditya Prakash into our virtual studio. Aditya is one of the foremost young virtuosos of Carnatic music. He has won numerous awards. He has performed at prestigious stages all over the world, and at age 16, he was one of the youngest musicians ever to tour and perform with sitar maestro Ravi Shankar. Uh, Aditya frequently collaborates with other leading innovators and artists, and he recently performed in this year's Drive East concert series. hosted by Navatman. So we are thrilled to uh, continue to explore his unique experience and perspective. So welcome Aditya, thank you so much for being with us. Hey Anjali, thank you so much for having me. Let's talk about first your personal journey with music. You know, where did it start? How has it kind of developed for you? For me, my personal journey with music started right at home. Uh, the first sound I heard I grew up in a house where uh, Bharatanatyam and Carnatic music was reverberating in the house all the time. My mom was uh, one of the first people to start a dance school in Los Angeles in in the 1970s, and my sister was very passionate about dance. Um, and my father gave up his full time job to help my mom run her dance school. So, as you could see, arts was just ingrained in our family. It was a very important part. my parents would play carnatic music in the house or anything anything related to indian music north or south was always playing it didn't seem like i took much of an interest i i was more interested in in cars and fire trucks and all that but then um i guess apparently this was the legend goes that one time when i was like maybe 4 or something i was just playing with my cars in the middle of a rehearsal and uh, the singer who was visiting from india was just singing ragas like I wonder if Aditya knows any of these ragas. He started asking me and apparently I was naming off all the ragas. He kept changing them. So then my parents said, "Oh, okay, maybe he should maybe it's time that he starts learning." As usual, I was kind of coerced to practice and and go to class and I would make my teacher my my teachers my initial teachers were the dance uh, musicians who came from India to perform with my mom. So they taught me cricket so i would i would uh, urge them to end class early so we could just play cricket and I, like i was just like any other kid i'd rather be outside but i think with the kind of reassurance and the positive reinforcement my teachers were giving me saying that i was improving it kind of gave me the motivation to practice more i mean at, at the time i my parents were like kind of forcing me to practice and at the time it was obviously for any kid it was tough but i i'm really grateful for that because once i kind of got in that practice regimen it became natural once i started getting control over the technicalities and the basics of the art form i started enjoying practicing and i became obsessed with practicing and obsessed with listening to carnatic music obsessed with practicing starting with early morning 6am sessions and and then after school coming back and practicing in the evening i don't even have that kind of rigor now i mean i i wish i 
I want to bring that back. Uh, that's what this lockdown is kind of about. But parental guidance was very important in that. So I'm grateful for that. And so you obviously started with Carnatic music, but since then your music has branched out. Can you talk about that element? How has your music developed stylistically? Uh, I don't think it's a, something I've consciously thought about developing. Like, oh, I I want to expand beyond Carnatic music. I think it's just a product of me being born and brought up in Los Angeles and coming from such a traditional artistic family of Carnatic musicians and dancers. Like those two worlds of Los Angeles and of the South Indian cultural uh, language coming together is kind of what led to me exploring other sounds. And it really is because I, I, I'm, my friends in school were from various cultural uh, backgrounds and they would listen to different music and I would be introduced to different styles of music, whether it be rock, uh, jazz, pop, flamenco, or African music. So many different styles have been introduced to me through my friends and, and through the culture that I grew up in. So I think all those sounds kind of stayed in the back of my musical consciousness. They kind of simmered there for a bit. I did go through a phase where uh, I didn't want to do anything aside from Carnatic music. I was like a quote-unquote purist. I I didn't want to engage in fusion or or do any of that stuff. I wanted to just be a pure Carnatic singer. And even the term pure Carnatic singer, is, it's all relative as I'm learning. But but slowly as I as I started, especially that tour with Ravi, Ravi G really expanded my musical consciousness because I saw that he was such a serious classical musician, but he was able to also engage in dialogue with other musical styles in a serious way. It wasn't like fun. It wasn't diluting the form. There was always this idea in my head. Maybe it's something from the culture of the the purists, the traditionalists that make you think if you're going to do fusion, that you're going to have to dilute the form. You're going to have to make it impure. And so I guess that pro- probably sat in my head. But seeing a master like Ravi G do that in such an organic way without diluting anything was definitely a reaffirmation for me to kind of say, it's okay, I can explore these sounds that I've heard. Oh, I would hear guitar riffs or horn lines, but I could never do anything with that because I was just a Carnatic musician and I didn't compose, I didn't work with other styles of music. So all these sounds were kind of sitting there. And then when I went to high school, I started exploring the option of the idea of singing in choir and singing in non-Indian styles, even my senior year of high school, I tried out for the lead in a musical, and I'd never ever done a, like been in a been a part of a musical, and I and I got the lead. I was I was the beast in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> that put me out of my comfort zone for the first time in a while, probably the first time in my life. So even singing English was such a big deal for me because I never sung in English. So all these all these experiences kind of led to me expanding my own uh, musical soundscape, my own comfort zone. Then I went to UCLA and my roommates and friends were jazz musicians. So I heard them practice all the time. They heard me practice. We just got curious about each other's styles and differences in them and also the similarities. Then we just started practicing together, just like really informally at jam session parties, all of it, most of it improvised. And that's something that's really cool about both forms. And, And the most obvious correlation is that they're very improv heavy. And so that was our, our entry point. So those, those like jam session parties became the impetus to delve deeper. Those moments when our, where, when our styles or our sounds kind of synced or seemed to kind of lock in together were, were so exciting. I, I remember that. It didn't always work, but when it did, it was just like, wow, we have to explore this. And we started sitting 
learning more about each other's styles. And, and I also started figuring what works for me and what doesn't. I'm continuing to do that. And yeah, I guess that that's kind of how it's evolved. It wasn't really a thought out process. Like I want to branch out and do other things. I think it just naturally organically shifted as my life experiences were taking me that way. some of the most uh, important or noteworthy differences between the musical styles that you work with? Well, uh, Indian classical music is based on raga, right? And um, raga is built, I'd say, um, I'd say horizontally, whereas Western music and some other styles kind of built vertically with harmony. Our, our melodies are very dense in, in Indian classical music, They're very complex, intricate, and that's what gives the beauty. But in some Western styles where harmony is important, you have you're building on top of it, on top of every note. The melodies are a little bit more toned down to kind of highlight the harmony. I guess my my goal was to try and blend both this this horizontal expansion with the vertical expansion. And yeah, we we in Indian classical music we have the tanpura or the tambura, which is in one set shruti or one set pitch, one set key, one set tonal center from beginning to end. That's why when jazz musicians are soloing and they're constantly changing that tonal center maybe every two beats or every bar, every four beats, it's a different, it's hard for us as Karnagmi, because we like, we sit in that one pitch and we kind of settle in and that is our basis. And here jazz musicians are constantly able to shift out of that. It's kind of, it's, it's a different skill that we don't have, but then our approach to building melody is so complex and so intricate and just with three notes using the gamakas or, or the ornamentations on the swara or the note, we're able to create such variety with just three notes. And it and it becomes quite stylized, quite ornamented. Whereas with three notes in, in a style where there isn't orna any ornamentation, you kind of have a set fixed possibility of sounds you can create. But with Indian, Indian music, Sariga kadi sariga sariga ga sari sariga sariga sari 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 sariga you can go on and on there's just an endless possibility of room to play with melody Aside from just the sound itself, they're so different. The, the oral sensation of listening to Indian music versus, say, uh, musical theater. It's just completely different worlds. On this point about the oral sensation, I remember when you were uh, conceptualizing your concert for Dry Beast, you had said something like the Carnatic note sounds foreign to the uninitiated ear. And this has come up in other podcasts episodes as well, where even Indian classical dance has a specific stylization and 
perhaps broader audiences aren't um, ready for this new vocabulary or they're just not accustomed to it? Yeah, I don't think an audience isn't ready for it. I just think they they just need to be receptive and open to hearing something new. Even within Indian music itself, within North and South, there's so many misconceptions that both styles have of each other. And this is also speaking generally, but a lot of North Indian musicians consider South, South Indian music off Shruti or bass or, or off key. But for us, the ga in Todi, the raga Todi, it won't be ga, even though that's the actual placement of the note. That's actually supposed to be the note, but that's the farthest thing from it. And so if someone is saying, oh, wait, isn't that supposed to be ga, like the third scale degree note? Oh, the sounds of ga. For a a musical conditioned mind, this is a different sound and you have to get used to that microtonal quality of the music. a little bit about how you work with these different styles. There might be these different frameworks. How do you work within those structures or do you sort of break those boundaries to create this new sound that crosses a you know it crosses the chasm between these different genres? I think what what's nice about this space is for a second we get to forget about the rules. We're creating our own framework now when we step away from jazz, when we step away from Carnatic music and we enter this other space where we are setting the boundaries and what is right, what is wrong, doesn't really matter as much anymore. That's also another reason why it's not that I'm, I love the rules and I I love the framework. It gives you a kind of signpost, like when you're hiking on a trail and it's just a vast trail and you don't want to get stuck going the wrong way. It's helpful to have that guidepost to tell you the path to kind of blaze the trail for you. And in the same way, Carnatic music, it's such a vast place. So this, the framework that you're given really, it doesn't restrict you. It, it just kind of helps you, kind of pushes you and gives you the impetus, the direction. And so inspired from this style, if you remove those and you enter a new space, we're able to create your own route, your own path to discover whatever you want, whatever that peak of that hiking trail is, that mountain. If you want to take a sharp left turn instead of going straight and then shoot straight up, that's fine. Like you have, you can set your own trail. You can you can blaze your own path. And I think that's what that's what drew me to this kind of space where where these two traditions kind of step away from their their traditional uh, format and move into this more more personalized format, I would say. 
I mean, when I'm working with my musicians, I obviously have to learn, you have to learn about each other's style. You have to know I'm not, I still have a long way to go with learning about jazz and other styles. But I, I think just interacting and, and actually being in contact with with master musicians and authentic musicians, like I'm lucky to be living in LA. I get to be around such amazing musicians of multiple backgrounds. Kind of living that culture through other people, through the learning music through culture is very important, I think. I think you can't just isolate both from each other. That's so interesting. And then the experiences, like you were saying, even as a kid, just sort of build up and they're there, yeah, there. Almost, even if it's not conscious to you. And then they come forward in this process of creation and experimentation. Yeah, my mom would do collaboration with flamenco dancers. I remember random things. And I would remember like once we did a collaboration with a gospel choir, like I played Merdanga for my mom's dance. And like one of those melodies stuck with me, how it, it just seamlessly blended with a raga that I was singing. And yeah, I mean, when you find those points where you really connect with something that is seemingly so disparate or so different, it just is like an aha moment and you don't forget that and it kind of stays with you. So I'm curious about the scope for this expansion. Then are there certain styles of music that lend themselves to some version of fusion with Carnatic or other kinds of musical styles that you're listening to, inspired by? Yeah, I, I mean, the possibilities are endless and there's no right or wrong on what styles work, what don't. At first, for instance, I didn't think Carnatic ragas like Thodi or Purvi Kalyani would work in a fusion setting. I always kept it separate for Carnatic. But now I'm exploring those with Western music, Western classical, with, with jazz, with rock. Yeah, in theory, it sounds like it doesn't belong together. But there there is that space where it can exist in a very organic way. And that's what I'm trying to work on. And I'm consistently just discovering new things and it's it's really exciting and I, i've been listening to to metal one of my favorite bands is tool then yeah flamenco i'm obsessed with like guitar lines flamenco guitar riffs just rock in general radiohead alternative rock I, I feel like there's something that can add to my musical consciousness by listening to them and yeah there's people like tigran hamazian who's one of my musical heroes who combines armenian folk melodies with jazz and metal and uh, rock and it's really not you can't classify it into one genre because it's just his own personalized expression and I guess that's what I see my music as it's, it's not really Carnatic or jazz it's just an expression of of my my upbringing my identity my culture what I've lived to experience and I think that's what music should be for people <laughs> talking about this a few minutes ago that the pure Carnatic musician is relative that's a very intriguing statement can you talk yeah. a bit more about that what do you mean that's a good question well I think we're, we're I was just having this conversation with my mom last night but when we are kind of learning this music there's this notion that it's very ancient and it's 
traditional and it's been from the gods and it's stayed throughout time. And the music that we hear of the yesteryear masters from the 1960s, 1940s, or the music that Tiagaraja or Dikshitar composed. These are the, the famous composers like the Mozart or Beethoven of Carnatic music. And their repertoire is what we base our music off of today. But as I've been doing more research, reading more, I've been learning that a lot of the music has been changed throughout the years. And what we hear of Carnatic music today is not the same um, as it was back then. It's constantly evolving to societal changes, to socioeconomic changes. Even the music moving from the courts to the sabas or the public concert platform has, has caused the concert to change, has caused the repertoire to change, the way the voices projected has been changed when the mic was invented. The way we approach the in inclusion of bhajans or abangs as being like a normal part of the classical repertoire, all these things are, it's constantly evolving. So when someone says pure Carnatic music, it is pure is of, of the now, it's not of the past. I think that's important um, that we realize that what is traditional isn't necessarily old. It is uh, constantly moving, adapting. I feel like I, I wish I knew that before because that would have made it more relatable to me. Not that Carnatic music wasn't relatable, but maybe to even others, some students like me who would learn as a kid because their parents made them, but then they felt like, oh, it's too old. I don't want to, this is such an old art form. It's not relatable to me as an American kid. I don't want to study this anymore. I want to learn rock, jazz. But maybe maybe if they realize that it was, it's also a response to the to the present and it's not just some ancient religious practice it's it's much more it's it's a way to communicate how you feel how you feel now and it's just a different language of doing that <laughs> And it's a function of how the world around us has changed, the new technology that we're right. using, um, who the individual is that's performing the music, qualities of a particular social or cultural moment. I guess right. these are all the factors that make music what it is. Absolutely. That's something that, yeah, I've recently started getting into reading reading a lot more especially reading a book by tm krishna called a southern music it's something he released a while ago but it speaks of very important issues and how even the music the technicalities of the music have changed we've erased some phrases that don't kind of sit with our our liking we like to classify ragas into scales arohanam avrohanam and when a phrase that organically wasn't part of the raga in its conception doesn't fit that mold we eliminate it that's like the musicologist mind that comes in and theorizes and takes the feeling out of the music and makes it heady. And a lot of beautiful phrases, a lot of beautiful songs have been completely altered, completely changed from how they originally were to suit our musical ear with the rules and the classifications. It's a sign of a, of a bigger issue of appropriating and changing. And it, it moves beyond just Carnatic music. It moves to everything that we do. There's a problem with that. So what is it then that stays consistent, if anything? Like what are the things that make Carnatic music Carnatic music and jazz jazz? 
I think what what stays is the idea of every musician, since it's an oral tradition, every musician having a responsibility and the ability to add to the form and to kind of give it their own interpretation and make it their own over time. It's not something that is written hard in stone. It's constantly up for evolving evolution. And that is something that is very unique to any classical music because it's an oral tradition that gives it that kind of freedom, that kind of scope. And I think jazz is kind of similar in a way. It's it's kind of evolving and, and shifting. Another thing that makes Carnatic Carnatic is the idea of raga, that raga will always be important, that the swara, the note, the gamaka, it will always be of utmost importance, the basis. The way it's presented will probably change, but the idea, it being the foundational pillar, has always been, raga has always been the heart of the Indian classical music, specifically Carnatic music, and I don't think that will ever change. Through this conversation, you've been uh, alluding to the idea of physical space, like physically connecting with other musicians, bringing the personal experience of living in LA into your music. And I remember one of the promo videos or music videos from your album, Diaspora Kid, shows you sort of buzzing through the bustling streets of the cities in India. And so it seems like the space around you, the people you're with, that physicality has an influence on the creative process and your art. So I'm wondering about this year, obviously when everyone is under some kind of stay-at-home order or lockdown in, and with the lack of traveling, you know, not being in Chennai this year, what does it do to be in a more confined physical space for you? Um, does it influence your creativity or the art itself? I think, yeah, it, it first of all is a huge setback for all artists, all musicians, and all travelers. Like, it's it's such an important experience for us to to travel, experience, and move, and work with other humans, and have that contact. And to be isolated from that is a is a huge setback. But at the same time, it gives us a chance to have a lot of self-reflection. And I think that's definitely what this period has been about for me. It's not been easy. Uh, you also see a lot of the ugliness within yourself, the bad habits, the things that you're able to hide when you're distracted by life and activities and events. When all those are stripped away, it's just you and yourself. You're kind of more exposed, your weaknesses, your strengths. I'm just kind of discovering a lot of things about me, uh, my habits, uh, my musical predilections that were kind of just second nature and how do I get out of those habits? How do I push myself in a different direction has been the theme of this lockdown. So it's still, there's still creation happening, creativity happening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm working on it 
new new album, bunch of new songs, and I, I'm definitely I feel like my sound is already different from my last album, which I released last year. I don't know having a chance to just get back onto a, a regular schedule, back onto a a rigorous, disciplined practice schedule. Obviously, on and off. I mean, there's periods where I don't practice at all, or I'd have the motivation to do anything at all during this lockdown. But then. Periods where it's just so intense, and and I'm currently going through that. Like I'm so excited to create new stuff every day, and I just I, sometimes it's not in our control. It just kind of happens, and you have to be lucky if it happens, and just take it, take it up on it, take a, take out that creative spark, and and really watch it till the end, and really be invested in it, and being able to reflect and be isolated is has its benefit in that sense. You get to really, really just kind of know more about yourself. Well, hearing you say this is certainly inspiring, especially for any artists,、um, aficionados, patrons who are turning to the arts during this time as a safe space for self-reflection and a source for creativity, and perhaps discovering ourselves in this way will. Yield a new understanding of art itself. Yeah, I, th- I think more than anything, it's important to have these kind of dialogues and also to learn more about our form, learn the history, learn the the socio economic interplay of art, and and kind of realize that they're not separate. Art is a response to society, and I think especially in Indian classical arts, there's this kind of、uh, separation of tradition and and modern. By educating ourselves and reading the history of the art form, we we learn a lot about how it's it's a very much a present day response to the now. Navatman is a performing arts organization that empowers individuals to nurture their personal evolution through interactions with the Indian classical arts, and that creates a home for the Indian classical performing arts in New York City. If you like what you heard today and want to learn more or get involved, please visit us at navatman.org and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Navatman runs entirely on support from the community, so we invite you to donate to Navatman and sustain the Indian classical arts into the future. <laughs>